Okay, here we go. We are back at it, talking about, and actually, you know what, I'm just gonna pick up right where we left off because that was a great conversation. I really, really think that if you are after, and the other, the other thing that, I, and I'll, I'll diverge quickly, I've noticed, because uh, I'm, I'm a Ford guy, and I love my 60s Fords, because that's when Ford went nuts with horsepower. You know, you could get a Fairlane with a 390 in it, yeah. that was cool. If you, if you look now, a lot in the th the three like FE big block Fords again in the '90s they were gold because everybody wanted to build the replica like you know 427 Mustang all the galaxies and, and big Fords big sedans with the big blocks in them they all got cut up and made mm -hmm. into hot rods yeah so now you know for, for me like that's the one I I'm still looking for an old Galaxy an old Fairlane. Thunderbird with the big block in it because you don't find those anymore. They're coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, I've seen a couple nice Fairlane 500s. I've seen a couple of nice 390 Thunderbirds come out. One of the Fairlanes even had a manual shift three on the tree. And yeah, that doesn't get any cooler with a big block in front of it. <laughs> See, I'm I'm kind of weird. Under five like, grand. Those are under yeah. five grand cars now. And they, again, they don't look great. They need paint. Some of them yeah. need body yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get but that. But you can get in them and yeah, yeah. drive them. They're still roadworthy. See, I'm, I'm kind of weird. Like, I'm a Mopar guy. Yeah. I, I love my Challengers. I love my Charger. All of that stuff. Well, you remember but they are, they're low on my list of priority uh -huh. of vehicles I want to buy. Well, you remember that, the one I sent you, the, it was the black, someone tried to make them to like a street rod. They took a DeSoto and they flat blacked it, had red wheels, red stripe on the side. I don't remember. It was, a, I think it was a Facebook thing, but it had a uh, Fire Dome 413 Hemi. I mean, it had a real yeah. deal. First gen 413 Hemi in it. That's cool. It's very cool. Very cool. Well, no, it'd be second gen, I believe. I believe first. No, 330. That's right. The, the first gen 330, like military something. stuff, like yeah. World War II. But anyway, but yeah, like for me, all my old stuff, it, it, the first 75% of it is all old Jeeps. Mm -hmm. Like I love like the the forward control, the 170 and the 150, the all the Willys pickups and wagons and and. Jeeps. You know what you um, need? As he said, stroking his chin, becoming philosophical. You need, you need a garage. You need an Australian Hemi Six for one of those. The Hemi-headed straight six that they did in Australia. That's or what you need for your Jeep. Or an American V8 Hemi. <laughs> no, you need the Australian Six. The you need the Six Hemi. What? Lighter, more torque, better on fuel, runs on everything. Not hard to find parts for because they did made a bunch. They made a bunch of them. They did to put it into what? One of your Jeeps. Any one of your Jeeps. Well, because they weren't big motors. They weren't tall. You can swap them to most Chrysler transmissions. They can get adapter plates for them for everything now because the Aussies love them. Mm. But yeah, you don't have and the, the, the Aussies all put them in. The Aussies all put them in street cars because they love their hot rods. See what right? I want to do is one of those things in a Jeep. See what I want to do is I want to put a Cummins in my Gladiator. Mm -hmm. My Cherokee that has the 401 AMC, mm -hmm. rip that sucker out, put a put a Hemi in there, take that 401, and then put it in uh, like a late 60s, early 70s Commando that I don't have yet, but eventually <laughs> will. someday I'll have one. Put it on, and just take all those. I got a 304. I pull out of my Gladiator, take that, and I'll stick that in something. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of just take all the engines and just shuffle them around. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like. For me to get like an old... So like, you're saying Jeep never put the right engine in the right thing? No. All they had to do was shuffle the motors around? No, because they put a 360 in a uh, 
in the CJ7. Yeah, I so that. that was pretty spot on. Yeah, Jeep went away from the V8s, and I don't like that. They gotta get back to that. Yeah, there's got to be a market. You got people paying thirty grand for a Hemi swap, but you can still get the Gladiators. The Gladiators come with. Don't they come with this? You can get a five seven option in a Gladiator. No, no, not yet. No, their only options are the three six Pentastar. I think the two liter Eco Turbo thing. Shaking my head. I'm shaking my head. No, I'm shaking my head. I'm not. I'm not shaking my head in, in <laughs> like, disagreement. I'm shaking my head in solidarity. Oh, okay. Thumb, yeah, thumbs yeah, down, yeah, yeah. Thumbs down way. Yeah, it, it's got to be EPA environmental crap. But like I said, I mean, if, if you've got people spending that kind of money to put a Hemi in a Jeep, there's a market for it. Because I know Hennessy just did a the Spartacus Gladiator. Hennessy loves the big. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a bunch of people putting Hellcats and in, in Gladiators, and I think someone put it. Put a elephant? Oh, they want to put a elephant? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, there's a lot of people that want to do that. But but yeah, I mean, th there's. I I like to chop it up to the government. The government is screwing everything up. Mm. I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the 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 problem with the Jeep, like for me, the problem with the 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 Jeep platform is there are no problems. You just can't pick them apart. Well, I know. It's, it's it's the fact <laughs> that like if you you know it, it kind of like. It's it's tough to find it's tough to find an engine for it, so to speak, because you know you want to put a V8 in it, yeah. But that's just now you're going to put a lot of weight in it to <coughs> overpower it. And, and now it's and, and I was to say now it's tough because the, those are still fairly small engine bays in the the Wrangler they platforms. They, they, they fit, but they it's make battery and everything. They make it fit. <laughs> they fit, but you got it's, it, there's some work to be done. Oh yeah. Course, for Chrysler to do that work, then it's got to pass DOT, it's got to pass crash tests, it's got to do all that. And that's what I'm saying. It's all yeah. environmental stuff. So, but would it, and of course, but you don't want to put a little V6 in there because it just then it doesn't have enough. They need like a small, they need like a small V8. Yeah. A small hybrid V8. Never mind a hybrid, but something that's got, you know, it, it, it more. It's it's got it's got what the Hemi has got. It just needs to be smaller. Well. Because that was always the cool I mean, thing I say, I say I want a, a V8 in there. The little V6 Pentastar 3.6 in there. It's a good motor. It's mm -hmm. a torquey little thing. I mean, people do 38s, and, and they're, they're zipper. you got to re-gear it. But it, it gets the job done. It's a good, that. proven... And even uh -huh. the little, even the, the old uh, little 2.5 four-cylinders. Those weren't bad motors. They were not. I mean, they, yeah. they weren't great on the highway. They weren't great at speed, but for, you know... The, the 90s in the Wranglers, people didn't complain. No, I mean, it, it, it's one of those, grass is always greener. Of course I want, I want a big ass freaking V8 in it. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> See, that's part, of the part, that's the other thing for me, that's part of the, if you're, yeah, I'm an engine geek, so for me, getting the old 50s car to drive around, that is, like, that, that's, a, that's a study in engine history. For yeah. me to drive around an old, and I'd preferably I'd get something like an old straight eight in it or an old flathead, something that's got you know something that has old technology yeah. in it that or lack of technology. Yeah, that still works. And granted, it's hard to find. I mean, I'm never going to find something with you know an early fuel injected three twenty seven in it, but. Yeah, no. Say la vie. I'm fine with something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with something that came with an old stove bolt six in it. Chevy made some really good straight six motors back then. 
Well, everybody did. But you don't see them anymore. And I don't think it's for... It, it, my theory is that you, that you don't see the mid-50s cars out and about because people don't want to put the money in the gas tank anymore. Yeah. It's not because they can't be driven every day. But it will be more, one of the nice things that will be that will be that will happen to us that didn't happen to our parents' generation in terms of old cars is that when we get to be old do older dudes, now the the old cars will still be serviceable, you know, because we, we remember when we were kids, you didn't see cars from the '30s running around because nobody couldn't find parts, in, and yeah. a lot of them they just didn't. Well, to be fair, the cars from the '30s were. Maybe billionaires. A lot of times they were a mess. Yeah, and a lot of times they were a mess. Too, they were one-off. Yeah. But now, you know, and that was so, let's see, when we were kids, those cars were about 60, 70 years old. Now, when, when, in the next 15, 20 years, the cars that will be 60 and 70 years old will still be basically modern cars. You know, they'll still have, mo- they'll have modern spark plugs. They'll have, you don't have to deal with priming cups on a spark plug. They'll yeah. have, you know, real belts. You don't have to deal with leather link belts. So you won't saying, have pre-selector transmissions. So you're saying in 15 years, so in 2035, we're going back into the 70s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's the crap I'm already playing with. Don't exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know, that's what I'm saying is that, that you know, the, the old, old cars are going to be, they're going to get better. You know, they're going to still be old cars out there. But they'll be easier. I argue no. Because now, the cars of today, when they get older, it's all going to be, instead of dealing with, you know, stupid government, you know, EPA shit that didn't work. But it really didn't, it, it choked the engine, but it was easy to remove it. And there wasn't some crazy computer that's going to flip out. Now, you have all this stuff in there that, that computer ain't there. You know, if that sensor's not there, the computer's going to freak out. So unless you get, you know, like companies like Holly and, and all that to really step up and say, okay, well, we got this 50-year-old car that no longer meets standards. You don't have to worry about it. You know, now we got all these bypasses. They, the aftermarket needs to step up in a big way to make... Well, they are. I mean, 2015. Hey, there's a Holly. The, the Holly Sniper is a gift from on high, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but you're you're dealing with computers without computers. Um, you're dealing with cars without computers. Computers without computers, folks. We haven't done this in a few weeks, and it's starting to show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're taking a car without one and just saying, okay, we're going to slap a standalone unit here, and to take. Uh, you know, uh, an early 2000s or whatever that's 50 years old, so in you know, 2070, mm-hmm. to deal with a 2010, mm-hmm. you know, t- they would need to say, okay, well, we have this antiquated computer that's still trying to do what it was told to do. Now we need to make a system that meshes with that, yeah, cancels just, all this crap that's out. That's just software. I mean, you can, you can make old software talk to new software. That's not hard. Yeah, but it, it's a, I think it's a bigger problem. Making old metal it, talk to new metal, that's tougher. No, that's easier. <laughs> to, to have a computer work all by itself in an old vehicle is a lot easier than having a brand new state-of-the-art computer talk to a 50-year-old computer. You try to get... Welcome what, to Tech Talk. Yeah. I mean, you try <laughs> to get... some of the kooky, crazy problems with technology. Think about it. You, you try to get a computer of today to 
talk to a computer of the 80s. Not hard. It's easy. I mean, there are people out there that are using the, you know, you've seen the old thing. Now it's the hipsters like the old uh, Apple Macintosh things. The big the, colorful the, the ones? The big bricks. Not the, the ones oh. from the 80s. You know, like the gray, Apple II? Gray bricks. So you fill them with modern soft, the, the modern and what are you know, chips and stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have a brand new computer. No, you have a brand new computer in an old shell. I'm saying take that, an actual computer today in an actual, <laughs> not a square case, empty with nothing but new stuff. I'm saying technology from 1980s and have it talk to technology today. It, it, it will be a nightmare to get those two systems to work. I don't together. know about that because, you know, back then, my point is the, the newer stuff, once the newer stuff is out, it'll take care of the older stuff because it's just software. Like, the, that's why the computer thing doesn't really bother me because it's not... It's not a matter of having to like come up with a brand new computer for the thing. It's just a matter of having to write the software to run the old system. So like if you if you got a guy that was smart enough to figure out how the old software works, I'm not saying it's you not can tell it to the new computer. I'm not saying it's not doable. Of course it's doable. I'm saying it's a lot trickier mm -hmm. because everything like I mean you look at a car today, everything everything talks to everything. The brakes the air conditioning, the, the, the seat sensor, everything talks to everything. So to start kicking stuff out in 50 years when, okay, that environmental thing didn't work today, it's not going to work in 50 years, and that car is not expected to meet standards and all that other stuff. So we can just get rid of that crap now and do whatever the hell we want to get those computers to work properly with all these complicated interlinked systems. That's all I'm saying is... It's going to be a big endeavor for the aftermarket to step up and do it. Yeah, but I mean, the aftermarket loves that stuff. I mean, the aftermarket. <laughs> they love to charge a shit ton of money. Of course, for that. yeah, they love it. I mean, that's all they do is find yeah. you know find you find vacuums wherever there's people without they've got money and they yeah. need something done. It'll step in and do it. And I you know the the thing <laughs> like with the 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 new um, the new injection now that you don't have to deal with the old CAN bus. Yeah. systems anymore i mean that the nice thing is that you don't have to deal with that stuff yeah but there is new software that will still talk to the old can bus so you can still it, use it i mean it would be cool the, but the problem is like my point is that the, it's it's really really hard to find somebody that knows like if you have an old car from the 20s or 30s and it's got some weird solex carburetor on it an updraft yeah some it's hard to find a guy who can just who, who can sit down and be like Okay, I know exactly how this works. I can diagnose, you know, I, I know what I'm doing here and here and here. So I'll have it fixed in a day. It's, yeah. it's those guys now, when you, it's like, okay, I've got to learn how this thing works first. Because <clears throat> the last time, you know, I, I don't see cars from the 20s anymore. Yeah. Then I'll have a crack at fixing it. And then if it, if my, you know, if it's still, if it's still broken, I'll have a crack at fixing it again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's my point is that when, when we're old fucks, then it's going to be easier because I think a lot of that it would be that cool. knowledge will be carried yeah, forward. Maybe. I mean, it would be cool when I'm 80 to be able to go out and buy a you know $200,000 Mercedes today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's you know 30 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not even that. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. you know, or it could be two million. Well, you know, <laughs> and of course, a lot of it depends on you know the the. A lot of it depends on the, the materials that the actual cars are made out of. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you're a Volkswagen guy, a lot of the Volkswagen guys now, you don't see the 
the 90s cars coming out of the woodwork anymore because they Volkswagen used water-based paint on a lot of them. So the paint now is just failing. Yeah. You, know, you can just chip it off with your thumb. Mercedes for a while, I probably covered this before, but Mercedes used biodegradable wiring harness jacketing for a period there that was, and it was designed to last about 10 years. And after 10 years or so, the, the jacketing around the wires just turned into you know, hard plastic and fell apart. Yeah. So you don't see a lot of those cars and, that, and that's killing off a lot of those cars. Um, so you know, that, and that's what I appreciate about, about cars that are the, the future classics. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of that stuff is just, you know, the, the cars don't rust anymore as bad. Well, they, they still do, but yeah. not nearly as bad as it used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the ceiling, the ceiling systems for the brain boxes and the electronics, it's so much better than it used to be. I mean, there's, I remember that there, there was a, uh, there was a little page in the, the owner's handbook for my Audi when I had a nineties Audi and it said that the Quattro system, the, the, the thing, the, the Quattro differential gear yeah. box. I mean, that big chunk of metal that was sealed for life. There was fluid in it, but Audi said nine, don't touch. Yeah. It's a it's a fluid, you know. It needs to be changed at some point. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure manufacturers, when they say for the life of the vehicle, they mean as long as you own it, and they predict you're going to own it for five years, and then well, we'll cover the next guy. He'll probably own it for another three, four years. Yeah, exactly. About so, ten years. Yeah, we'll give you yeah, a exactly. decade, you know, and then yeah. the car is probably most likely not going to be operational. Yeah, ten years, anymore. ten hundred thousand yeah. miles. That's about the yeah. lifespan of a car. And then it'll be on some lot for ten bucks. Yeah, exactly. My point is that there's so much less of that going mm. on now. Oh, yeah. You know, those weird technological cul-de-sacs just—they don't—they've been sorted out. Yeah. You know, new cars once they get old, they'll be nice. You know, they'll be easy. Yeah. Well, you got me thinking now, like it, like future classics. It would be really cool, like retire in twenty years, and pick up like a C seven Corvette. Sure. For you know. Reasonable money. And that's that, and funny because that's when that's when people will just be starting to dump them. You know, the 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 C the first C eight Corvettes that people are buying right now that they're destroying and putting. Well, no, I'm saying that Have you seen videos they're, they're of putting, these? They're putting them in plastic <clears throat> bubbles. You know, and yeah, 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 being hid in underground garages with one mile on them, so that in 20 years when we're getting ready to retire, that's when they're going to come out of the woodwork. That's not the videos I'm watching. Well, I mean, duh. Dude, these people buying Because these... nobody nobody takes a video of a car sitting still in a garage. <laughs> I'm sure there are. But they are just beating the snot out of these things. They oh, got, sure. They got like, they, I guess there's, they program a 500 mile braking period mm -hmm. and the car won't rev over so many RPM. It mm -hmm. won't do certain things. And it hits like 501. And they're, they're doing fucking burnouts. And sh well, they're trying to because I guess the computer doesn't want them to do because everything's built for grip. You know, so there. I guess there's something like if you, like you, mash the 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 brake and you pull both of the shifter paddles and you do all this other crazy stuff. You kind of do, and all they do is a little cheap, a little burnout. You have hi you have highlighted <clears throat> the the one like hot button golden gripe that I have with new fast cars is that they are not. Built like, for fun. They're not fun. Exactly. They're built to go around the Nurburgring. Well, they're not. They're not <laughs> even that. I wouldn't say that because they're still fun. I mean, to be honest, you and you and I could have a lot of fun in a new Corvette because we're not used to that kind of speed and power. My they, point is, they're not dangerous anymore. 
You know, like an old, you want, like an old fast car, if you bought, yeah. you know, a Viper or something, because yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's why the Viper is one of my favorite fast cars, because it's fucking dangerous, <laughs> you know? It was, I've, I've read articles and people say, it's a handful of Yeah, drive. but I like that about it. I think, for me, that's part of what a fast car should be, because you should, you should get out of it sweating, your legs tired, your arms tired, and you're like, fuck. That was intense. I, I think I fall somewhere in between. Yeah. Where, okay, I want a little traction control. I want a little ABS, but I don't, I don't want any of that. I don't want all these, you know, over the top things. You know. Yeah. But I think Mercedes. I don't know if they're still doing it. I think it was Mercedes, like ten years ago. They would have like a dozen different traction control settings. You know. Yeah. And, and you could really dial it. It's like just give me an on off. Maybe. I don't even want that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> want on, on off. Or off. Traction yeah. control is your right foot, and if you have a clutch, then it's both feet. That's your traction control. But, but see, I don't always want to have to, <laughs> you know, I, I just want to be able to hop in a car and go on a drive and have fun. Well, see, I, that's, I think that there are cars for that, you know. If you want to hop in a drive, if you want to hop in a car and go drive it and just have fun with it and, and, just, kind of, a, and just kind of go and, more, and worry about your destination, on a street. There's a car for that. If you want a fast car, you need to be prepared to pay attention. Like, that's my point. If you want to drive a fast car like that, then you should have to get in it and say a little prayer because you know that you're taking your life in your hands. You should be a little intimidated. Like, you should be driving it... On a racetrack, yes. You should be driving it everywhere with two hands on the wheel. Like, no, not, I might crash this thing. Not all the time. Like, if I'm taking my car to a racetrack, yeah. You know, shut all that shit off. Learn how to drive. I'm, I'm all behind you on that. On, on a street, <laughs> because it's not a perfect world. I mean, I don't want a little you know, gust of wind or a little patch of sand to kill me. You I know? think it should. No. I think... <laughs> <laughs> See, no, no, you're wrong. You should die. I think if one raindrop <laughs> hits the street yeah, and you no. drive over it, dead. I'm, I'm all for a little forgiveness there. No, I, See, I, one of my, like, I think, I want, I want... The little the millennial, millennials <laughs> love to mash things up. Millennials love to have confusion, cur cursing old ladies playing piano, and and you know like ninety year old guys ripping ripping you know death metal on guitar. They love that kind of stuff. I think we should take we we take Formula One, we take NHRA Top Fuel, and we combine them. We put Top Fuel motors in a Formula One cars, and that's that's racing. You still have your street circuits. You have to do regular Formula One tracks. There, you have to. There's a couple of drag. There's a couple of drag races on the calendar too, but now you have, and of course I'm exaggerating. But I like that, that's my fast car is gigantic engine, tiny car. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no traction control. There's no there's no. I don't even want. But I don't see, even really want injection. I want but, you know. I don't see, want ABS. When you get I don't that, that. When you get those big monster power engines, if you don't have a computer to help get it to the ground, you're just doing burnouts everywhere you go. You'll, you'll never you, get on the throttle. You are the computer. Your brain is the computer. But you're not fast enough. That's Too bad. Thing. Get faster. You're... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being unrealistic. Get faster. Okay. <laughs> Shift faster. But it's not a matter of shifting. It, it's... You're, you're, okay, I know you, you, you're not really talking about 11,000 horsepower in Formula One, but even if you had... 
5,000 horsepower. You could never... That you, would you, be awesome. It would be, but without a computer to help get it to the ground, you would be slower than they are today. I don't care. What the hell's the point of having a big-ass motor if you can't go faster? Because that's in the drive... That, because that, you, know what, you know what the point is? The point is now that you see... And actually, it's, it's not just Formula One drivers, but you see a guy, you see these guys on the podium in the post-race interviews, and they're just sitting there, they're talking like this, you know, because their heart rate never really went up, never really went down. Now they're just you're not watching drag racing, are you? They're fantastic athletes. They're in tip-top shape, and they're they're not being taxed. You know, they're not being you're not watching not drag racing. That's what I'm saying. You what? You, you need you, you need the drag racing element. You need that kind of horsepower because then then watch those guys after they get out of the car and they're. You know, covered in sweat. They're like they drag racers. They sound like covered they, in sweat. They sound like they just ran the quarter mile. Sound like they just <laughs> ran around the track. Yeah, exactly. That's what, I was like, that's what that's what the problem is because there was a when I was a kid, I mean, and I was really I was just getting into like open wheel racing, and I can't remember who it was, but there was a there was one of those indie series races somewhere in the Midwest on like an air an airfield. Yeah, you know. And it was middle of summertime, it was hot as hell, and the guy that won the thing stepped out of the car. He had to, he had to, people had to help him out of the car because he yeah. was so dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, okay, that's what a winning race driver looks like. Because that guy put his life on the line for three hours, at the point of passing out, was still able to focus. Yeah. Like, that is a true, like, now yeah. you get, you know, the drivers are just like, you follow your pit directors. You follow your race directors pre, you know, your strategy. Yeah. You don't tax the car. You don't really race the other guy beside you because you, you're on a pit strategy. You you don't yeah. want to waste fuel. No, tires. I mean, and, and I told, and that's one of the reasons why I never really got into, like Formula One and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's it's too much technology. Exactly. It, it, it's exactly the drivers don't have enough of a part. Yeah. In the process. I mean, you look at their steering wheel. They got more controls in there than in the fucking cockpit of a plane. You talk you about know? traction control settings. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and they can do every little thing, and that was one of the reasons why I was drawn to NASCAR. Mm -hmm. Simple. They don't even have a speed. I still hate it that they switched away from analog gauges to like to like a digital display. They can change and get. They don't have any more sensors, but it's like, no, I want... Needles. Yeah, I want analog. Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, it's... And that's part of the problem with NASCAR is they've gotten too too fancy. Yeah. The cars, they don't run anymore. Yeah. They're, they're running... Well, they're not running really faster because they keep getting limited, but you go back to a square body and make them race. Yeah. And it, it'll be fun again. And yeah. They're like that's the point. Racing is not. There's no yeah. racing in racing. You know, it's exactly. just like it's just twenty cars out there that each running their own like slot cars. You know, yeah. they're all running their own little race. Yep. And the guy that happens to win first, well, that just that was like how the cookie crumbled. You know, yeah. he didn't. He wasn't fighting from the back of the field. You know, there's not like the, the there's no room for the little guy anymore. It's not like drag racing. It's like the yeah. It's like the final lap yeah. of every race. Yeah. Every time they run. There was a guy, that, and I, I can never remember this guy's name, but I do remember the last guy in NASCAR to have his own, to be an owner-driver. You know, he owned the team yeah. and he drove the car. He was, uh, I think he was from South Carolina. No, I mean... The car got, was red, that's all I remember. Junior, he ran his own... Oh, sure, there were plenty of guys team. that did it successfully, but it was, you know, like said, that the Small last guy that did it was in the 80s, I think? I mean, that was... 
And, and even then, I mean, that was a time when, when the money in NASCAR was just starting to go up an exponential, yeah. you know, bell curve. But yeah, I mean, that was that was why I respected him because he, you know, just showed up in his little half-ton truck, mm. furniture business on the side, car on a flat trailer behind it, you know, and that was... That's why I love the old stories of drag racing, like in the 60s and stuff. Yeah. When they would race all over the country, yeah. you know, and, and it was like a hauler, and it, it was not like a hauler today, it's like... A C fifty, you know, basically. It was an old bread truck. That yeah, you yeah, exactly. You know, and then they, they, it's like a roll-on bed yeah. and, and and toolboxes, and that's it. You know, and a little sleeper. It's like five guys slept in a little tiny sleeper kind of. If thing. you haven't seen it, if and everybody out there to the audience, there's a YouTube is a wonderful resource, but there's a documentary that has um, it's it's Garlitz and Prudhomme talking about that period of drag racing. The snake, when, the, the mongoose and the snake. Mongoose and the snake, and and they're talking about when you know the. Even if, because they were, and, and they were the, they were powerhouses. <coughs> they were the big names. They had the money. And even then, they were still driving their own cars. Mm-hmm. They were spending money out of pocket for hotel rooms that, you know, reimbursement was a foreign word. Uh-huh. They were getting. And they were racing for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were getting parts and they were getting cars, but that was it, you know. They raced enough to eat yep. and race again. Yep. You exactly. Know? And, I, I, and I, I just, there is. And I'm glad you're in agreement with me because I, I meet a lot of people who, you know, you talk, you start talking to them about racing, and they it's think, never been better. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they think that because what they see on TV is so bright and colorful yeah. that that it's 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 awesome to watch. Yeah, they take speed as better. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And it's like, no. and I mean, I love I, I would love rather fast w- cars too, but I would rather watch a top fuel dragster doing 250 miles an hour. But just be more engaging. Like yeah. one, I want it like one inch behind the other guy. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather see instead of four hundred mile an hour drag racers, I'd rather see three hundred drop mile an hour drag racers finishing within inches of each other. But see, I mean, a lot of it is if, if the guy didn't hook up. And oh yeah, there's sure, so sure, many sure, variables. Sure. But I mean, that's you know, why I think in road in road racing it's more prevalent because in road racing it's hundred miles to make up a difference, you know, yeah, where you have a thousand feet in three seconds. Yeah, you know, drag racing probably a bad example. But yeah, I mean, I, I would rather watch, you know, NASCAR from the eighties and early nineties, you know, mm-hmm. when they're doing much. Actually, I say slower. They, they, they had. Well, because in some cases they were faster. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, there are still I, a couple of lap records out there that haven't been beat for top speed because they restricted places. Because they just yeah, they'll never go that fast yeah. again. And there's actually a the, the we haven't talked about this yet because we're not really in this kind of part of the car world. But uh, this past week we lost Sterling Moss, uh, a great driver from the '50 early days of, of Grand Prix Formula One mm-hmm. racing from back then. And, and there was actually a book written by his mechanic, Alf Francis, who's an old Polish guy that helped him out in a lot of the '50s and '60s early days before he was really famous. But that guy was the one that did a lot of the legwork. You know, he would do things like forge passports and papers so that they could get into Germany immediately after World War II. Say forge? Yeah. I mean, he had to, you know, he, he would, you know, I remember one point he would, he dressed up the, the there was a story East about or him. East West? Well, it didn't matter because this was immediate, this was with, within 10 years of World War II in Europe. So, so I'm assuming Western. There right? was still, anywhere you wanted to go, I mean, you still had to show papers and passports. Yeah. It was very hard to travel I don't think at I that time period. In those countries. And of course, you know, they were in, you know, living in Britain, but you were expected to race in France and Italy and yeah. Spain and Germany and, you know, and, and they were talking about at one time that, that in order to get 
past the border, they had to like paint the race transporter up as like a florist van or something. You know, they had to do all these crazy shenanigans to actually just get to race. Interesting. When it wasn't, yeah, exactly. When it wasn't formal, you know, they, yeah. they were still rebuilding the interstates and the roads and. Sometimes yeah, you you to, they're rebuilding the whole yeah, continent. Whole, exactly, they were putting the whole economy back together. But they were still, the point was that they were still out there, just, you know, two guys in a race car yeah. on the back of a big van. Mm. And they were still driving a thousand miles across Europe to try to make some, you know, <laughs> race money. In, the, in the other country that it might have been canceled by the time you get there. Yeah. That might have, you know, the prize money might have been you know, just, okay, you're not getting anything to race. You're just going to race because, yep. you know, that's how the politics work. Yeah, that it was crazy. It was tough back then. But it's a great, I don't remember what the name of the book was, but Alf Francis is the guy. and It's a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and, and it just, it shows you that it was a blood sport, you know, and it was, there was a lot of, I think that's, we forget when, when these old racing drivers, when they start to, you know, die off as they're doing, that, you know, they, they're like they—they they were the closest thing to World War II pilots as could be. You know, because you—you were it, taking your life in your it hands. It was legit dangerous. Yeah. Was it Formula One back in the '60s? Like they died. They had oh, death in yeah, every race. Yeah. yeah. And if you've ever seen any of those old, my favorite, and if, if you've never seen an old racing car from the '50s, go to a museum. Go, go. You know, don't go. Don't go to the Google machine because it's not going to give you the pictures. Yeah. Go to a, go to see one in person because you'll notice that the 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 area, the cutout area in the metal panels for the driver to sit is cut. Like you can see, you know, snipper marks. Yeah. It was cut by hand. Yeah, yeah. It's just got an edge. It's just a raw edge of aluminum running around. <laughs> File that down or roll it or something. <laughs> no, it's fine. And then, you know they're not usually sit on the fuel tank. Sitting on the fuel tank, you're sitting there's there was a, an Alfa there was a great Alfa Romeo. Uh, you love Alfa Romeo. They did a car at one time that had uh, two drive shafts. It had parallel drive. They weren't parallel. They were they were triangular drive shafts coming out of the gearbox because they had one to each wheel, two dips, and. They had uh, this. It was the rear end setup was ridiculous. But the point was that the it went right under the driver's crotch. So if anything, if the, if the universal joints failed, yeah. you couldn't have kids. What was the point? You look to be alive. What was the point of that? I mean, it was just something that they thought was going to make the car faster. I think it might have been a hill climb thing or an old the, road racing thing. The power loss, was the parasitic loss. It didn't. It, that wasn't even a term back then. Well, no, I was just, just. I'm just looking at it from my obviously through my my lens. Just trying to figure it out. But you know? the the loss that they must have seen. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of those. I mean, there were some of those old engines had they had parallel crankshafts. You know, you mm. had crankshaft turning on clock gears behind at the back of the motor. I saw a video of, what do they call it? Opposing pistons, it's, it's basically. Oh, where the, the pistons, they come together and the, the, the crankshaft are on the outside of the engines. The, yeah. piston, the pistons oscillate towards each other. And fire in the middle. And fire in the yeah. middle, and that's the compression stroke, yeah. I, they, they're usually like big diesel, like mm-hmm. plane engines and stuff like that. Big industrial motors and stuff. And I saw a video, and it had, you know, it's got 18 camshafts and, and all this other kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. You see, it, it's an animated, you know, it's a, it's a CG thing uh, of everything working, and you just see all the parts yeah. moving. And this is back in... I want to say World War II, maybe a little after that. 
to make that without a computer, yeah, you know, it's just some guy sitting in a room and you're just like, wrap your head around you know, all that. You just light watch a it. cigarette and draw the thing. Yeah, <laughs> like the video, you're kind of like panned out. You see the whole overview of all the, the you know, the 38 pistons, or the hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. 16 pistons or whatever the hell it was, and they're they're all going. And you go, oh wow, that's complicated. And then it zooms in slowly, and then you know, by the time you start seeing the crankshafts and all the pistons and the the valve the the you know nine hundred valves going yeah it's just that the the lifters are fucking firing away and shit <laughs> holy hell well at some point there was a and I don't know if you can still do this but there there used to be a uh, submarine a World War Two sub docked over in Wilmington that you could tour mm-hmm. they took you down in the engine room where yeah. the engines are upside down yeah and they lift the covers and you can see the crank you know bottom end crankshaft connecting rods cool. caps bearing and you know, they were like yeah you know that back in the day like when when these guys were in the engine rooms working the engines that's what they were looking at like yeah. they were looking at the motor actually you know, the yep. bottom end of the motor working yeah i saw another video of uh this dude he he basically he took the heads off the um, whatever the NV8, whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. And basically he ran it as, get it, got it to run on air. So mm-hmm. it was just an air pump is all it was. And then he starts running it and you just see the pistons moving. And it, it got up to like, I think he did, only did a couple thousand RPM. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, it's just like, it doesn't move. Like the piston is just there. And yeah. it's, you just hear it wailing through there. And it's like, yeah, that's a little above idle. <laughs> you know, you're just cruising down the road at this point. Yeah. If you think about, you know, a motorcycle doing 12,000 RPM. Yeah. Oh. I know. It's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. But you hear the numbers and then you start breaking it down by, you know, revolute, you know, the um, oscillations per minute, you know, it, it, you know. It's just crazy. It is, yeah. I, I I really wish that there were more. And of course, now it's it's kind of like it's been homogenized a little bit. You know, mm. now it's if there, if a company's going to build a new a brand new combustion engine, it's going to be a four cylinder yeah. twin cam sixteen valve, or it's going to be a one point eight one V six, or it's, yeah. it might be a V eight. I mean, when was the last time a brand new V eight came out? I don't remember either. Um, um, that would be the Hellcat. McLaren? The Hellcat. Yeah, but what about that was brand new? Uh, everything. Mm. All right. Everything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but anyway, like, my point is that, you know, that there's nobody out there like designing yeah. straight eights anymore. Trying to revive, you know, there's nobody trying to revive flatheads. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are people trying to revive flatheads, but, you know. Yeah. Those four guys <laughs> new, go over there and be amongst yourselves. The new Mustang is not going to have a flathead in it, I don't think. You give Ford enough time, it'll probably be an SUV. Yeah, you couldn't, yeah. That's all they make. I'd say you couldn't. Well, they did that stupid publicity stunt with the electric Ford. <laughs> They're just trying to build, you know. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> but then, uh, what was it Mitsubishi? They were, they kept talking, teasing the new Eclipse. Uh-huh. And then it's this... That when they finally revealed it, I think it's out now. Um, it's a crossover SUV piece of shit. Oh, yeah. It's like, you already had the Montero. <laughs> Why do you need another one, you know? Well, I mean, it's... Bring it, back the only car you ever sold well. Yeah. Well, well eh, Evo. Okay, Mitsub- I'll, I'll give them Evo. Mitsubishi, it, it must In be, America. It must be tough working at Mitsubishi right now because, yeah, you know that all they really want to do is... is a new Evo. You know, that's all they want to do is just a new... I have no idea for where... A Mitsubishi dealership is. I don't either. It's kind of sad because yeah, when they're I'm, out there, every now and then I see a car roll down the street. 
they're, they're out there. Yeah. I don't know where they're buying them from. Well, like when I was a kid, Mitsubishi was kind of on a roll. Maybe when you were a kid, they were on a roll too, because Evo, 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 Evo. The Eclipse. And the Eclipse was the, a pretty hot Fast summer over here. Yeah, Fast and Furious came out, what, 2000, 2001? Yeah. I mean, they couldn't keep them on the lot. And really, if you looked at the car, I mean, it was like, it was, it was a pretty decent amount of car for the money because in a car that was the same size as a little hatchback, you've got, let's see, turbo four-cylinder, you got your four-wheel drive, manual box option, I think they were up to a six-speed by then, and you got double wishbones, coilovers, ABS, discs all around, Let's not traction forget, control. They made the GT3000. Mm-hmm. And I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that that had uh, Active Aero. Before Active Aero was We a are thing. two old dudes that don't know much about Japanese cars. No. <laughs> I know a little bit, but I'm pretty sure... It that, had the things that would go up and down. You no, push the button. Like before Active Aero was a thing. No, I think you're right. And actually, those had exact... They had uh, butterflies in the exhaust. Yeah. Those were one of the first cars that That was happened. a very advanced car. Yeah. And now, you know, they... Mitsubishi is like they not even they don't even have anything yeah. to approach that, and they're not, they're not even planning on it. I think that they're just in the U.S. at least. It's just yeah, we'll sell a couple of SUVs. I guess, man. I mean, they got focus find, on their their medium duty trucks. They got to find something. Well, when was the last time you saw a Mitsubishi pickup? Uh, they better focus on something. No, it, it's. I don't know if they're doing. They have to be doing other stuff in other countries. Like they must be. Europe and Asia, they got to be doing other well, stuff. Well, I know they still have a pretty... In, Mitsubishi is like one of those companies like Honda where they have Medium the motor side yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have everything truck else. Side, so, yeah. yeah, trucks, air conditioning units. Yeah, they do all that stuff, but they, they must be leaning pretty hard on those. <laughs> they must be. At least in this country. Yeah. Because there's guys... And, and there are... And they built decent SUVs, too. Like, I, there's a... Honestly, I've never been in one. Well, there's a guy that, that I know that I've met... You know, just while I've lived here, who's a big Montero fan, and he you know, don't run into a lot of those. <laughs> don't run into those guys, but he started talking. I know, I know, you know, nothing about Monteros, but he was talking about it one day, and I was half paying attention. But one-ton axles, you got cooling systems that were. He swapped those in no, from the factory. Stock, stock one-ton axles from the factory as an option. What year is this thing? His is an 80s. Okay. It's one of the early, one of the round headlight, blocky ones. I Looks like a Zuzu Trooper. I didn't realize they made him that old. Oh, yeah. Okay. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting car because the, it's got cooling. It's got a body cooling frame. system in it. It's body on frame. There's a cooling system in it that was apparently rated for, you know, 120-some degrees in the desert. Would still keep the motor cool with the AC on. You know, they were... They put some development money into those is what I'm saying. And, you know, yeah. they, they've been all but forgotten. Yeah. Except for this one guy. <laughs> but yeah, they need to do, they, they've got to do something because like they really, Nissan's in a bad way. You know, they, they're not doing well. Um, There's rumors they're supposed to be coming out with the new Z. The new Z. Or at least unveiling it. Is, and, and what else? Which my buddy is all about. He's like, yeah. That's going to be great. No, uh, they, they're Titan. Titan Frontier is what they're really going on. They're supposed to be redoing the Titan. And, I mean, uh, redoing the Frontier. And I mean, it's Nissan. They they gotta you gotta compete with Honda. I mean, you're Nissan. Like you can't just say here's our truck, here's our car, here's our sports car. You gotta have, you know, you gotta compete. You gotta be competitive. And they're yeah. not. 
Yeah, well, didn't they? Didn't their like CEO? Didn't they just out him? Yeah, for like for corruption. Yeah. yeah, for corruption. Or something like that. <laughs> Is he still waiting extradition? Something somewhere? like that. So yeah, they're in a rough spot, but they'll figure it out. Yeah, they've always been like that, though. But I, I mean, going back to my original point was that that <clears throat> you know the the four wheel drive stuff, the SUV market is full of of you know cars that just they yeah. did, they were designed and and built and then fail you know they were just oh, yeah. and they were decent cars too but that's the auto industry as a whole yeah you know? but I think in in the SUV market particularly because that was so like there was a point where everybody wanted to build an SUV. Still do. Still do. Hell, Ford. Yeah. I think the only cars they make is the Mustang. And the Mustang. (laughs) Maybe the Mustang. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Then it's all SUVs. It's all SUVs. Yeah, I know. And I... I, 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 Even Chevy. Chevy, they make the Corvette. They still make the Malibu, I think. Mm -hmm. Are they still making the Volvo? And they got rid of the SS sedan. One of the... I mean, that's one of my favorite cars of all time, I think. The SS sedan? It was so low key, you know. It was one of those. It, sure. You know, you you see them as police cars. You know, the new Caprices. Um, I know you've seen them, and you don't even sure have. Them. Exactly, but you know the twenty, the twenty like twenty thirteen period to twenty seventeen eighteen. Yeah. There was that sedan. They look like the Malibu. Almost identical. Bigger, you know, yeah, 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 it looked like a bigger Malibu, but yeah. you could get them with big six liters in them, six speed manuals. You know. You can get them with limited slip rear ends. I mean, they were serious cars. But yeah. Against uh, against the the C7 and the, well, the yeah. six gen Camaro, no one cared. Yeah. And now. See, luckily, I like tru- I like trucks and stuff. So. Yeah. The more the merrier. Yeah. You know. And I, I mean, I'm with you on that 100. percent And I would go so far as to say, you know, you're talking about all the the flops and stuff. Yeah. I like the flops. Oh, me too. Not because I like them themselves, but because it makes the good stuff just better. Like, yeah, could be that hunk of shit. Yeah. So be happy with what you got. <laughs> yeah, there have been so many bad ones. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the good ones are, are you know, fantastic. <clears throat> I, I really, I mean, I'm one of these guys that, that always appreciates when companies try something. Oh yeah. Even if they fail at it, yeah, because totally. you know there are so many good cars that don't sell well. You never hear about them. But if you have one, you're not going to get rid of it. Yeah. But not only that, but trooper people are that way. That <laughs> if you ever meet Isuzu trooper people, they are that way. Those those stabs, those tries at something new, even when they fail, the companies usually learn something. Yeah. And something good comes out of that. That makes it into you know your your pickup truck or whatever the hell you have yeah exactly so yeah no i'm all for that and and that's you know companies the big companies they tend to take few and fewer risks yeah you know so So. what is your new now every guy has a list your top three modern suvs 2010 and newer that i want to buy you have to buy one not only do you want to buy one you have to buy one you have to buy three in fact Oh, you just made this hell of a lot easier. Um, I mean, SUVs, I have to buy for daily driving or for fucking around or what? Yeah, they have to be used He's for like, everything. Yep. Pickup trucks too? Nope. Just SUVs? Yep. Okay. The only the only allocation is something like the, um, what do they call that thing? The, 
the the SUV with the pickup bed. Not all allow. The SUV with the pickup bed. Remember when Ford did the Explorers oh, with the little tiny beds on them? Yeah, 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 that's it. That's um, allowed. No, I mean, for me, obviously, it's going to be a Jeep. The first one's going to be a Jeep. You know, obviously, Wrangler. Um, I don't know. I mean, I want to go. Was were they still making the big diesel Suburbans in 2010? I don't know. I'm gonna say one of those. <laughs> we're gonna go with one of those. They're supposed to be coming back with the diesel Suburban. I read that. 2021. I hope they do. Mm. I don't think it's the big V8 Duramax diesel. It doesn't have to be. It's the small, like three liter. You know, it's not gonna be anything really cool again. That's what they should have always done. You know, they mm. should have always had a, a like a. A smaller diesel option. Well, you used to be able to get the three quarter and the one ton suburban. They should never have stopped that. They should never have stopped that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a Jeep. It's going to be a big old diesel suburban. And, oh, I don't know. Another Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to break that one. I need a backup. <laughs> Actually, I will go with a, uh, the, uh, what's it, the Trackhawk? Yeah. The, Hemi? Yeah, the, the Hemi, I think it's a Grand Cherokee. <coughs> I'm nodding in agreement. I think I'd have to pass on a couple. The Trackhawk, I would, I would probably be on my way to spend money on that, and then at the last minute, I would, I would not do that. What? Um, Are you un-American? You have an SUV with a big-ass V8. I think, because honestly, I'd rather have a Durango, a 392 Durango. I think they look better, and I like the insides. The Durangos, there you see, you know, the Trackhawks. Yeah, they've got giant hood scoops on them, giant tires. They look, you know. Yeah, but they have that look to the, them. The Trackhawk, they have the Hellcat in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the Durango. I'm not saying that the Durango fine. just has a 392. Fine with me. So that's the difference. I think that's why they went more over the top of the design now. Sure, of course. Plus, yeah. that it needs a big hood scoop to, yeah. to get the air in there. I mean, I just the Durango. Like I said, I like the Durangos because they're you see them in like that, that nice gray color mm -hmm. that they do. Dodge has great colors. Yep, they're good looking trucks. I, I will I will agree with you. And I mean, I think they're expensive. They are expensive. I mean, there's no doubt that sixty grand for a Durango is not unreasonable. But I do think you're getting a lot. That's the SRT? The, the Citadel, I think, or whatever the top, yeah, you know, the big one. Um, but I, this, I <clears> like, <throat> I think, you know, the new Grand Cherokees are kind of stealing the show because they look so good. Yeah. The WK2, I mean, they, they are a good looking SUV. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to make any bones about that. Yeah. Durango's, I think, are kind of, they may, they may have discontinued them and I don't even know, but they're flying so low yeah. under the radar. When they're, they're in fact, they're, they're pretty decent trucks. No, whenever I do see them, actually one of my neighbors has one. Um, not, not a big heavy thing or anything, yeah. but just a Durango. The, it, Dodge is really on a streak right now. Now, and the other thing, I was to say, my other favorite, one of my favorite pastimes, especially when there's nobody out and about, is going to the dealership lots and just peeking <laughs> in windows. Those new Navigator interiors, have you seen those things? In my, short, short side story, in my mid-twenties, I probably have negotiated the sale of half a dozen vehicles <laughs> with zero intent to buy. I would just go and I'd look at this, oh yeah, I mean, we'd test drive, I'd give them my ID, and I'd haggle them, and I'd be, 
I gotta think about it. <laughs> you know. And then they would call and I would just block the number. <laughs> well why grow a beard unless you can look pensive and stroke it when you're in you know Well this is my early twenties, so I had a beard but actually I had a goatee in my my mid twenties. There you go. So I can still <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so but those new navigators, I mean, they're in, the, the interiors heard, of those things are... I assume it's pretty similar to a, a yeah. Silverado. Well, it's, it's you know, it's that I think that, that like, they are, they're car-like, you know? So... Well, that's whereas, the, the big complaint with all of modern SUVs. Is, is the, yeah, but I, I think in, a, in, a, in, a, in an SUV like that, you really, you know, you, it's okay to be like, well, this is a navigator. You know, this yeah. is like the... This is a suburban mom. This thing yeah. is not going to go off road. But I, you know, I really I like those because they're not popular. You know, I think they're people are think they're, they're too expensive, and they are expensive. But I, I really like the details inside. The one of the things that I really appreciate is the the cushion. The seat cushions have the little navigator logos in a pattern. You know, it's like a motif, and I like that. You know, I like that yeah. kind of detail. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old, and it kind of goes along with what you were saying earlier about, you know, how... But my number three, you know what, you talk, because i got to decide between two, it's not going to be an easy choice. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was, you know, you're talking about how you get in a car, you know, it should scare you, and, and you know, it should work. A fast car. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Fast yeah. Car. It's kind of on those those lines of, cars are just getting too cushy, too comfortable, <laughs> um, and I'm really going like wanting older and older stuff yeah. and i really want to try to get my cherokee to a point where i can daily drive it yeah and i do 70 miles a day back and forth to work so it, it's gonna it's gonna rebuild everything on it yeah but i want to do it for i want to try and daily something older than me yeah <laughs> you know yeah. and just to drive it you know <laughs> this thing it, it it does have factory air, but I, obviously I would put like a vintage air system or something yeah, sure. like that in there. But it, there's no cruise control. The radio, I, I would have to get a radio in there, but it, it's loud. It, it's, but it's just cars, and I, I love my car, and I, I but put it on cruise control, get on the highway, and that's it. You know, yeah. I, I think people in general just need, you know, like you not fear death like you say but <laughs> but they they need the car to do less so they have to do more there should be a, look there should be a haunting voice coming out of the dashboard <coughs> you will die <laughs> well, <no. laughs> okay but no they, they just need to put the fucking phones down and actually drive and i think <laughs> if the car did less you know get rid of power steering get rid of all that other stuff yeah you get rid of cruise control, adapt to this, lane departure that, and yeah. auto brake this, and make sure so they have to do it. Get rid of crumple zones while you're at it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, I don't know. Like, I really want to do that. I want to try driving something old yeah. daily. Uh, me too. I mean, that's the thing. I still think that old cars can be reliable. Yeah. And I'm out to prove the point. And, I, you know, I, and I, that's, I mean, when, my, when I say my last SUV, that's what's tough because we only have a few minutes left, so I don't really have a chance to defend it. But it's not an easy, it's not one that you're like, yeah, I could see that. Or even one that you're like, what is it? That makes sense. I want a Discovery. I want a Land Rover Discovery, which is the dumbest. You, you like weird cars. You're saying, yeah, exactly. People are like, <laughs> why would you want that? You know why? Because nobody wants those things right now. Even the decent ones. And now I'm not saying that they were good because I don't think they ever made a good one, 
but even the ones that were the least problematic now, you can't, you can't give them away. See, I'm not one of those people that just because no one else wants it makes me want it. But yeah. I'm, I go, there's got to be a reason why I, no one see, wants that's it. See, <laughs> that's the thing. I assume, my assumption is that everybody else is just too damn stupid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh is that what it is? Okay. There's a reason. Yeah, and, I yeah, usually, yeah. and for me, I find the reason is that people usually just don't care. Yeah. Right? They just don't want to, they don't want to be bothered with it. Why not go with like a cool defender, like a 110 or like a... Yeah, I mean, the defenders are nice, but there's, that's, that's one of the trucks that I think in this country will always be expensive. I don't think, like, I think in Europe... Yeah, but you never put a dollar price on this. You didn't say I had to spend real money on this. You think I'm going to spend $80,000 well, no, on no, my point is My point is like that if you have a defender, I think it's, it's if you, if the people that have them, awesome. I have a huge amount of respect for you. But if I'm going to have a vehicle like that, I'm going to go drive it the way it was intended. I'm going to put dents in it. I'm going to yeah. take it on a trail. I'm going to take it in water. Yeah. And I think if I'm going to... It's British, so it's going to break. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to buy a G-Class. I'm going to buy a Wrangler. I'm going to buy something else that... You buy a G-Class and go off-roading? Yeah. From the 70s? An yeah. old one? Yeah, sure. Oh, well, maybe an you old know, one. No okay. chrome, no trim, no leather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Thinking, I'm thinking of a modern one. I'm going to buy... Yeah, you said 2010. But I'm going to buy a Wrangler. I'm going to buy a Wrangler. I'm going to, I'm going to, if I'm going to do that with a car, I'm yeah. going to go buy something that is built for it, not just designed for it. You know, like a, a, the Defender is designed to go off-road. It's great. Yeah. It's really expensive to fix after you take it off-road. A Wrangler is built to go off-road. Yeah. You take it off-road, you come home, you spend 20 bucks to fix it, you go off-road again. Oh, I'll, I'll argue on the $20, but yeah, I know, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, that, I think the Defenders now, the Defenders are turning into the cars that are, they're so cheap. Like you can go buy, you spend your five grand or you spend your $7,500 and you find a guy that's got two. Rollers. Not really. Yeah. You find your guy that's got two and he's like, you know, I bought this one because my other one stopped running. Now one of them runs, one of them doesn't. Yeah. Great. Because that's when it gets cheap, you know, because they eat parts, they eat fuel, they eat everything. Yeah. But I still think that they are the kind of cars now in this particular time period where the, it's, it's, it's old enough so that there's still a lot of them out there in junkyards and people's yards for parts. There's yeah. plenty of parts vehicles left. They're new enough so that they don't rust like crazy. They, the interiors yeah, yeah. are still decent. Seats aren't old, dried out, ripped. You know, that's in the, yeah, they have a nice balance there. Yeah. So, Fair enough. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's the great thing about cars. No, you won't. you'll never buy one. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that we'll never do, uh, we will never leave you hanging for too long. Uh, thank you all for stopping in. We'll see you next time.